0: Right. Welcome back, everyone, and on to uh, the second lecture, Social Circulating Capital.
1: Thank you. Uh, going back for a moment to this uh, question of Keith, <clears throat> I just uh, noticed that Rudy is going to give a lecture on the discount house, and. Uh, the question of, is there one discount rate or many the arbitrage. So I uh, hand over this uh, question of Keith, for final disposal, to Rudy. Two of you can uh, discuss it in the meantime. Uh, in other words, there is more to say on that. I agree, it's a good question and a uh, valid problem. And uh, we are looking forward to this uh, presentation. When is it in a couple of days? Tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon. But Keith and I already had a discussion. Oh, I, was, I, was, I was, was going to come up and he said the same thing that the bills go away. They, they oh, please keep it for tomorrow afternoon. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, as you know, these notes, which you have a copy in front of you were written almost ten years ago and of course I wasn't idle during the intervening years and uh, I have made some improvements, some additions, sometimes even changed things and what I'm going to say now is uh, uh, part of that. In other words, I have not got around to write them down. But I've formulated my thoughts, and uh, I'd like to share it with you. And when I get around to write them down, then uh, I'll put it on the internet. So just uh, uh, stay tuned. Uh, you all know my website, I hope. And um, in new course I will put these on the website. It's just that I'm so busy with so many things that I could not do this yet. But I certainly plan to do it. Here we go. the social circulating capital. Well, you already talked about it. Social circulating capital is that mass of consumer goods which are in the highest possible demand and uh, they are being produced and step-by-step through various stages being semi-finished good. This is vertical, actually, as we suggested yesterday, but that's not terribly important Uh, distinction between vertical and uh, horizontal uh, division. As the consumer good is approaching the ultimate consumer. We also say the bill drawn on these goods mature into the gold coin, (coughs) relinquished by the consumer at the end of the chain. There's this maturation process, and we describe the social circulating capital as a great river. Now, these are only tributaries, but we unite them all and think of one (coughs) huge river, the merchandise, the semi-finished merchandise, and finished merchandise also from the wholesaler to the retailer, or in the bottoms of ships, in the ocean, going to the market, carrying the goods, is a huge river which is emptying into the ocean. And then the goods disappear in consumption. Now, this is the consumer goods market or a representation of this river uh, metaphor. And there is the other metaphor, the very famous metaphor of Adam Smith, the wagon way in the sky, and this we can uh, identify with the bill market. So here is the river, which is what we identify with the consumer goods going to the consumer and here is the wagon way in the sky using the original phrase of Adam Smith himself. important thing to observe is that the direction of the flows is is opposite. The river flows this way, and empties into the ocean, where the consumer goods disappear, at least in the sense of being removed from the market, once the ultimate consumer buys them, they are no longer available, not for sale. And the uh, bill market is also a flaw, in a way, because of the maturity. They have to, they will expire in 91 days. They lose their value unless you, And or the discount house, and get the value at that time, its face value. No more discounting, because at maturity you have to pay the face value, with full face value. So, this is the picture we had of two movements in the opposite direction the bill market and the consumer goods market understanding in a wider sense of the word, word that it includes the semi-finished products also because this is a flow. But just as a river cannot stop even for one minute, it's inconceivable that you have a river and for one minute it stops and then goes on. There's no such thing. Um, the same way there is no possibility for maturing consumer good to be taken out and stopped because if you do that, this is a violation. We we shall have more occasion to talk about this. If a speculator removes grain, uh, it's fine. That's not the thing which we criticize. What we do criticize is that the speculator is not uh... uh, cannot legitimately draw bills against grain which he has stopped. He can take it out, but then no longer bill financing. Every molecule of that river has to flow. If you take it out, no, forget about real bills. You have to finance it some other ways. Either you have the uh, funds you own outright and then you buy the grain, withhold it because you expect higher prices, maybe bad weather or earthquake or flood or something, and then make a profit at the end. This is fine as long as you don't finance it through the bill market. Because if you do, this is a a very gross violation of the whole structure, the way the consumer (coughs) uh, goods market works. And we know this is happening, and we know that in many cases it's a conspiracy, because when banks are involved, uh, the, uh, you, you can, as a speculator, you can conspire with the banker, and the banker who has access to bill financing will give you, advance you, the money to buy the grain and withhold it uh, so the grain is effectively stopped. But this is a conspiracy. You see, the advantage of a world without banks is this. Once the bill is the portfolio of the banker, it's no longer a public document which you can check and say, hey, say to the banker, hey, show me your portfolio, I want to check if this uh, is a legitimate uh, purchase, the grain by a speculator. The banker would say, mind your own business. I beg your card on This you have no uh, right to look into my portfolio, you see. And that's how a lot of fraud came into being. But as long as you have a bill market where the discount house and so on, the bills, the real bills are public documents open to everybody. You have the right to look it up. Whether you buy or not is beside the point, but you can check it out. And if you see that there are too many uh... bills uh... grain dealer on miller bills. Too many. You have some idea from statistics that normally that much uh... grain is moving to the mill, because ultimately there's only so much bread is needed to feed the population. And if you find that, wait a minute, this, this is unusually large. You have 50% more such bills than normally. Then you know that there is a conspiracy somewhere, perhaps a banker or somebody conspired with the world, or the Miller, conspired with the baker, all kinds of possibilities and they speculate. It's not the speculation that is wrong it's the financing of the speculation through real bills is what is wrong and what we are criticizing and what we are objecting against and what should be now for that reason the appearance of the commercial bank which invests in the bill market should come under a different regulation and the commercial banker should not be allowed to pretend that his portfolio is not in the public domain he should be allowed there should be transparency because that portfolio is part of the bill market And everybody should have the right to see what's in it. You know, and bank inspectors would be obliged under a proper regulation to check, not just the balance between assets and liabilities, but also the quality of the assets. In particular whether all those bills which pretend to be real bills are really real bills and not fake bills and it would be a fake bill if the merchandise is stopped in hope of profit through higher prices so this is very important okay that uh, the uh, real bills should be public document wherever where they are. Whether they are in the portfolio of a commercial bank or they are in, in discount house or acceptance house or wherever. Now the second thing I want to talk about is <clears throat> which is not obvious from this description here, that this river and the wagonway way in the sky are actually in a one-one relationship. If one is expanding, so is the other. If one is contracting, so is the other. So in a way they are mirror images of one another. This is, this is very important and it's not obvious. So let's talk a little bit about how this river may change, well the, the river could have its tributaries. in other words, when it approaches the ocean, it could branch out into several. It may not, but it could branch out and these tributaries will separate from the main stream. You see. And then it could be the opposite. The tributaries return to the mainstream, depending on lots of different conditions. And you could think of the economic equivalent of that. For example, uh, and this is my favorite example, (laughs) the, uh, I call it the craze of Skipping rope, well, perhaps regularly or irregularly you will find that schoolgirls will, for some mystic reasons, all at the same time want a skipping rope. It's like a contagious uh, disease. It starts somewhere and then every little girl wants a skipping rope. Now, normally the skipping rope market is not part of the consumer goods river. It's not. Uh, toy shops have them, but they sell only so many, and uh, therefore there's no way to discount bills against the movement of the skipping rope. You can think of pull up loops, which is basically the same idea. The hula hoop craze. All of a sudden you see little schoolgirls with the hula hoop and around their uh, waist and then, you know, they enjoy themselves play or other plays with hula hoops. Just like a contagious disease. Very innocent, of course, but uh, this is something which happens in lives that occasion to observe it, and I'm sure you do too. And you can think of other examples. What is happening is that the fact whether the bill circulates or not depends ultimately on the consumer demand. So when the uh, schoolgirls start skipping ropes and start uh, playing with hula hoops, all of a sudden, uh, The demand will be high enough and the market almost instantaneously reacts to this demand and real bills can be discounted against uh, uh, making hula hoops and skipping ropes, you see? Because the market immediately reacts. So then that will show up in the wagon way. river expanded a little bit with the addition of hula hoops, and then the uh, bills will appear Now, next year, the schoolgirls will no longer be interested in hula hoops and skipping ropes, and the demand will fall, and the market immediately uh, slows down, and The bills drawn on hula hoop makers and skipping group makers will no longer circulate. Of course, the hula hoop makers will say, oh, that's not just. Look at the maker, he can do uh, it a year after year. I want to have my bill discounted, it's my right, I'm a legitimate producer and so You see, sorry, the market doesn't take the hula hoops anymore, there's no demand. For well, them, which would justify this, you just have to go to the uh, other bank, investment bank, and uh, raise your funds through uh, loans. You have to borrow the money at the higher interest rate. This is nature. We, you can't argue with nature. That is the way to do it. Now, if the following year the hula hoop case comes back, then uh, sure, we'll discount your bill. But not, under the present circumstances. So you see that correspondence. Now this is an extreme example, but you can think of other examples which are more common and the, uh, there's no real explanation why the consumer changed his or her taste. The, the, you know, I mean each consumer is the ultimate judge what he or she wants and, uh, or can change her mind and no longer want, And you cannot criticize it, still as can you correct it. This is a given, you have to take it, the consumer demand as it is, as it changes, and you have to adjust your business to it. So that's the way it is. And you can't argue with that. So the there is a variation in the social circulating capital. I should have written the other name. This is HCC, meaning social circulating capital, the same as this river of consumer goods in the process of maturation um, through semi finished. Stage, the finished stage, until the consumer ultimately uh, removes it and then it disappears from the market. So, this is a dynamic, it's definitely not a static picture, it's a dynamic. And so is the wagonway in the sky, which is the market. So, what my example of the skipping rope and the uh, uh hula hoop suggests is that there is this variation in the composition of social circulating capital for reasons of changing consumer demand. Could be either way, could be expansion, could be contraction. But there is uh, yeah okay The the composition can change, so you can call it a quantitative change, but it's also a qualitative change because if uh, the propensity to consume increases, this may call for a greater variety of the same type of merchandise. Uh, under normal circumstances, or originally, there was demand, and there was only one variety of that consumer good. I'll Try to think some of some example, uh, say, television sets. Okay. You know. uh, All right, all right. Uh, In normal conditions, there is one type of bread available, and that's what the baker provides. You see, but all of a sudden, people are more prosperous; they have more, uh, more disposable income, as they call it, uh, economists call it. So they will start demanding a greater variety of bread. And then you will have rye bread, brown bread, uh, graham bread, potato bread, corn bread, what, all kinds. And, and uh, what that means is that it's not a quantitative change, it's a qualitative change. On this model allows this, admits this change to take place. Uh, now, I'm not suggesting that under the original condition there is no uh, brown bread available. I'm not suggesting that at all. But, if a maker wants to do it, he will be, go outside of, of the uh, uh, so, uh, social it's not that yeah, he it. social capital. He will go outside. And he will make his brown bread outside of that. In other words, he cannot finance that part of his operation through the bill market because the demand is not yet mature, not yet there for to justify financing brown bread production in the way social circulating capital is financed through real bills. So he would have to... uh, If he needs uh, these ingredients and needs a special oven for that or what have you, then he will have to go and raise capital in the loan market and then uh, he can do this. So in other words, specialty shops exist and are available to buy anything which falls outside of social circulating capital, (coughs) you see? And I'm sure surgical instruments will never (laughs) be part of the mainstream. They will always stay outside, because the demand for these surgical instruments which surgeons use in operation will never reach that, perhaps I'm wrong, they may, because who knows, Uh, but normally, uh, you know, these specialty shops selling surgical instruments or Sanskrit uh, grammar or something is normally not in the mainstream, so if you want to open a bookshop selling Sanskrit grammars Then I'm sorry you have to go to the loan market to finance that. You are not justified in drawing bills. There's not enough demand there. But maybe this will change, we don't know. Anyhow, that's important, <laughs> <laughs> that's important to see that quantitative and qualitative changes in consumer demand will both influence the size of social circulating capital which will show up in the mirror image which is the real market. The two expand and contract together. And for that reason, for that very reason, the discount rate going to be equal to what I call, this is a new term, and I doubt if it's in the notes you have, so please write it down. The marginal productivity of the social circulating capital. So I want to talk about that. Please write it down. Marginal productivity of social circulating capital equals... The discount rate. It's an equation. After all, I'm a mathematician, so. Uh, but uh, I recall with some glee the saying of Hawkins, who wrote the book on short story of the short history of brief, time, brief history, uh-huh. brief
0: history, a of brief life. history
1: of time. He said that he is fully aware that if you double the number of equations in your book, then you have the (laughs) sales. (laughs) 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 Now, his book is full of (laughs) (laughs) equations, yet it sold millions and millions of copies. Now, (laughs) I think I'm not so fortunate. But uh, this is an equation which I think really Uh, everybody can accept because it's not a very complicated, it's not a differential equation, it's just an ordinary equation. Uh, uh, Reinforcing the idea of this mirror image thing between the bill market and the consumer goods market. So what are we talking about? We are talking about, uh, we introduce a distinction uh, among retail merchants. Okay, there are lots of them. Some selling cloth, some selling bread, uh, anything else which is in high demand. So, there will be one retail merchant whom we call the marginal retailer. The marginal retailer. And this guy has a shop with shelves and the shelves display the merchandise he is offering to his customers and one item on his shelf we'll call marginal. So the marginal retailer will have a marginal item and this marginal item is part of the social circulating capital but only just Only just. Because if the consumer demand or propensity to consume drops, then this will be the very first item in the whole big river of social service which will no longer be part of it. No longer will be offered by the the marginal retailer. He will not reorder it. If he sells that item, the last one on the shelf, that's it. He is no longer going to reorder it and draw bills against, or bills will not be drawn on him. That's a more precise expression by his supplier because that item fell out of social circuiting capital, okay? Now, so it doesn't mean that this item will not be available, that's not it at all, because there will be specialty shops, just like in the case of the brown bread. You can still buy brown bread in the specialty shops if the brown bread fell out of social circuiting capital. But, the production of that marginal item, once it ceases to be pardoned, in other words it becomes sub-marginal, falls out of social surplus capital, will not be financed anymore by real bills. It will have to be financed through the uh, loan market at the higher rate of interest. It's still available but if you want it you have to find a specialty uh, store or go directly to the producer and order it from the producer. So it's only the method of financing which changes, it's not the availability which is changing. And the opposite is also possible. If the uh, propensity to consume rises That the discount rate falls, and uh, the uh, marginal retailer will find that he is once more in the position to display on his shelves uh, the marginalized, a new margin, may not be the same, maybe something else. And then he will look around what his customers want and order this marginal item, new marginal, from his supplier and a bill will be drawn on this marginal, on on the retailer, the uh, marginal retailer. The bill will specify this new marginal item and it's financed again through the lower discount rate, you see? So this is a two-way street. And uh, the important thing to notice is that this marginal item is expanding the social circulating capital. So there are quality and quantity changes, and both are possible in either direction. So this is something very, very flexible, very, very elastic, and uh, the consumer is in full charge. He is the king. Uh, everybody else is waiting for His orders anxiously and eager to comply with his wishes Uh, uh, certainly would not argue with any of the wishes, and that's what's happening. The consumer is in charge, he's the king. Everybody else is there to serve him. So, what is the marginal productivity of social? circling capital. It is the productivity of this marginal item on the shelf because what you do is you take the markup on the the retail markup on the merchandise difference between wholesale and retail price and uh, you divide it by the number of days that this item spans on the shelf. There is an average. This is statistics, but you can say that, okay, my favorite example is sauerkraut, and I borrowed this from Mises because he talks about the bottle of sauerkraut. So how long will the bottle of sauerkraut stay on the shelf before it's being, on the average, before it's being picked up by the consumer? And the answer is, well, whatever it is, 30 days. Okay, then take that and divide the markup by the number of days which is necessary for the marginal item to be sold, removed from the shelf and sold, and that gives you uh, the marginal product, sorry, the productivity of that item. That's true for every item, not just the marginal. So every item on the shelf of the retailer will have a productivity uh, which tells you how profitable it is to keep that item in supply by the retailer. Now when you come to the marginal item the productivity of that one will be the lowest. All the other items uh, have a higher productivity. So that's the critical thing to watch. You see the beauty of this? That the retailer doesn't have to worry about every item, how productive it is. He just keeps an eye on the marginal item and the productivity of that. And compares it with this country. And if the marginal productivity of of this item falls below the discount, then he knows that's it. We are finished with that. No, No reorder. And once it's sold, he no longer offers. On the other hand, it could be that for some reason another item becomes uh, the wholesale price drops and then it becomes profitable to have it. So, the good retail merchant will keep an eye on the availability of all kinds of items which he is not yet carrying and once it rises uh, because of the wider spread between the retail and wholesale price, to order it and can finance the uh, uh, inventory through the lower discount. So you go to the market and finance it. So this is uh, what is actually happening. That this constant expansion and contraction of the social circuit in capital will show up in this country, and this will uh, make the availability of consumer goods change through the retailer. But as I say, the availability is not the good word because it's still available if it falls off the uh, social circuit because you can go to the specialty shop because you can go to the producer directly but uh, it will take a little bit more effort and it will be more expensive because all those specialty shops have to pay the higher interest rate to keep uh, things in supply so here it is the social circulating capital and its dynamics. this is uh, this is the picture and uh, the other day Keith mentioned that he liked my uh, explanation uh, of the interest rate, the, the uh, floor and the ceiling. The floor is determined by the marginal time preference and the ceiling by the marginal productivity of capital, which is a different concept altogether. But these three examples, the floor of the rate of interest, the ceiling of the rate of interest, and the discount rate, the expression is very similar, at least the mechanics The sources and the forces involved are, are of course, very, very different. But the structure, the mechanical structure, how it operates, are very similar. And uh, I take pride (laughs) in claiming uh, these as my contribution to the theory of interest and theory of discount because I haven't seen it anywhere. It's not in Adam Smith, he didn't go into... The... It's not in Menger, but of course I borrowed so much from these sources, and in particular I'm very grateful to, to Menger for his uh, uh, absolute clarity. Uh, Adam Smith is a little bit more obscure, but the ideas are there. So, This is the mechanism of this country And that's why the discount rate is equal to the marginal productivity of the social in capital. Now, I am going to add another thought. And I think Keith pointed out to me, well to everybody the other day, that he liked this idea of arbitrage. Uh, in in the case of the floor and the ceiling of the roof. The same here. So I'm asking now the question. If you can offer an answer, please. Show you, uh, show. Uh, where is the arbitrage in this example? Who is doing the arbitrage between what markets does is he doing the arbitrage? Because that's very much part of the whole thing. Yes? I think it's unfair. Do you, you want to do the answer?
0: <laughs> it's sure. unfair because I just want to do the material that you handed out for the Budapest session where you describe that, and the
1: arbitrage is between the marginal retailer and the bill market. No, no. There has to be a subject and there has to be an object. So who's the subject? The marginal retailer. The marginal retailer, that's right. He is doing the arbitrage. Now, what's the the subject to the arbitrage, between which markets?
0: He sells the marginal good and buys the real bill. In fact, my question is going to be, when we talk about the Marginal productivity social circulating capital equals the discount rate. I think, but
1: I want to confirm that that's the bid on the discount rate. Oh, now, sure, this is a very uh, well justified question. In the case of the rate of interest, there is a floor and there is a ceiling. So, and accordingly, uh, and these uh, are governed by. Different forces, okay? The time preference and the marginal product of capital. So the question is why not two, uh, instead of one monolithic discount rate, monolithic discount rate, uh, why not have two? There's a bid price, there's ask price for the bills, so the same way as uh, in the case of the interest in bond market uh, has a bid an offer corresponding to the is the floor and the ceiling the same the bill market. There's an answer to that question. It's not that the bill price is monolithic. It's not that because it's not. We accept uh, Manger's wisdom as an axiom, that there is no monolithic price. It's always a bit. However, what happens in the case of the bill market is that the spread between the ask and bid is so small that it does not offer any uh, profitable arbitrage opportunity. In other words, the bill, the real bill, has a very high marketability. Almost as if you could buy it here, turn around and then immediately sell it at the same price. Which is very unusual, according to Mentor. This is not happening, so hardly ever. Now, this is true. And why? Because the bill is an appreciating asset. Almost every day, It increases its value because the maturity, the number of days to maturity gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So the discounted face value of the bill is going to increase from day to day to day, and approaching the face value. So it's an appreciating asset and therefore it's spread as with spread will be very small. And for that reason there is just one discount rate for practical purposes, you see. Is that the question? Yeah. Uh, That's okay. So, uh, now let's go back to this idea of the marginal retailer doing arbitrage between two markets. One market is the bill market. And the other market is the social circle (laughs) and capital, and the marginal retailer is watching the marginal item and its productivity, which may change and does change from day to day. And as it does, it may fall out of the social circuit. I already explained what happens. And the reverse can also happen. But now, this is the thing which I want to emphasize: that what's really happening is that the marginal retailer is the guy whose productivity is below the productivity of all other marginal retailers. So, if he is not producing at the marginal rate of productivity, the social service capital, he might as well go out of business and use, the. he sells out, there are sales, he gets rid of his inventory, and then he puts the proceeds into the bill market. Why? Because the bill market is offering him a higher return. Meaning that all the other retailers Produce with a higher rate of productivity. So, why not benefit by that higher rate? He humbly admits that he cannot compete with them, at least temporarily. So, he withdraw- Now, he doesn't necessarily have to close shop. He could just reduce his, his offering, you know, thins out merchandise on his shelves, retrenches, and let instead of carrying the merchandise physically on his shelves, he has a portfolio of bills drawn on other retail merchants producing with a higher productivity. And therefore, he is better off. He can make up for his deficiency as a retailer by carrying this inventory. And if things change for the better for him, if he finds that his customers are more interested in a greater variety, then he makes the adjustment. He sells bills, he goes to the bill market, sells bills out of portfolio, discounts bills out of portfolio, then he has the cash, gold the coin, and he can replenish uh, his shelves with marginal merchandise. So this is the ideal situation. I'll give you another example which is just as important. Take a highly seasonal business like the coal merchant the demand for coal is very high, or it used to be 100 years ago, 50 years ago, when I was a child certainly coal was very important. And the coal merchant had his high season in the winter. He could sell coal with brisk demand and therefore his portfolio of bills was very small because he sold the bills, or discounted them, and increased the inventory of coal. The coal was interest demand, Good stuff. Now, spring comes and the demand for coal drops. So he starts reducing inventory he has sold the coal for cash, but he is not using that cash to reorder coal because he knows that in the summer there is a very small... perhaps he doesn't close his business in the summer, but he can hire a manager who is not as keen a businessman as he himself and say to him, okay, summer comes, here is the key to the coal bin and uh, you keep hours, regular hours, and sell the coal. I am going to take a summer vacation because you can handle this business for me, and I am. And then he would have a very small inventory of coal, but a large pile of maturing real bills drawn on on other merchants selling anything what is in high demand, you see. And that will replace his income, in other words, his income is not seasonal, or not necessarily seasonal. That He has a lot of income in the winter, and practically no income in the summer, and he has to wait for the other next winter, uh, because that is evened out by the portfolio of bills which he has purchased in the bill market and the higher productivity of other merchants in the summertime will make up for the lack of income from the coal business in the summer. And just think about this example, this is very, very convincing and you can see that this is uh, a, a. Fantastic advantage which the social circulating capital uh, offers. You see, coal fell out of social. It falls out every year when spring comes. Coal falls out of social circulating capital. And uh, Therefore, the coal merchant could fall upon hard time, but he it doesn't, it doesn't have to fall upon hard time because he will uh, have a pile of gold coins, he no longer invests in coal, at least not until the next fall, but he will invest it in paper, other merchants' real bill who produce with higher productivity. So I, I find this example very, very convincing, and I hope you too. Well, I guess that's what I wanted to say, and let's have a few minutes for discussion.
0: So, <clears throat> any, any questions on the, uh, the back of that? doesn't need to be related directly to what we were discussing. Okay. Professor, um, how, how did. Uh, what, what, what fraud was involved uh, with the discount house and the discount rate versus the interest rate and something that wasn't a discount house? How did the fraud begin?
1: How did what fraud?
0: The fraud between someone who has the good name of a discount house use oh, that ability. Well, we are going to talk about that. There is a um, discussion on the discount house.
1: house and also we'll discuss what we call the acceptance house. Right. Okay. Now, I would say the discount house is the good guy and the acceptance house is the bad guy. So all the troubles we have with the banking system is due to the original sin of the bad guy, and that's the acceptance house. Because the acceptance house originally was consumed, uh, conceived as a good business. Namely, uh, I talked about this already, the third signature in Peru the marketability of the bill tremendously. If you knew that it's not only the drawer and the acceptor of the bill, but there's a third signature the acceptance house representing it, then the bill's marketability was beyond any question and you can be sure that you can discount it, you see. So the discount house as as a separate business was born and it was Different. It was not identical with the discount house. The acceptance house, the discount house, two different types of business. The business of the acceptance house was accept bills. In other words, sign, provide the third missing signature. In other words, the discount, the discount house made a market, buy and sell. The acceptance house would sign the bill, which was about to be sold in the bill market, for a consideration. It wasn't free. What the acceptance house did was uh, uh, we don't have to worry about the forms. They call this consideration, which the sure issuer, and drawer and the drawer, accepted the bill, uh, had to pay to get the third signature, uh, but uh, I think what happened was that they had to post a collateral. In other words, just in case, for any, could be force majeure, could be some unfortunate events. The, Accepter acceptor of the bill could die, the drawer of the bill could die, or a disaster, whatever, and the bill is not paid at maturity. So the acceptance house would say, okay, you po- you post a collateral, say a bond or a mortgage or something, which in case you don't pay on the day of maturity, I will have the right to sell this collateral. And if it fetches more than your uh, liability, I'll pay you the difference. But if it sells for less, it's my loss, uh, mine, or the acceptance house's loss. But, you know, we hope that this won't happen. But just in case, I have to... Insist on collateral. So this was a legitimate business, the acceptance house. And then, of course, just like in the case of uh, the banker or goldsmith who started issuing uh, warehouse (laughs) certificates non existent, the uh, acceptance house found that there is much more money to be made if he starts accepting non real bills, that is to say, anticipation bills, which is uh, that you are selling your house and uh, you don't know that 91 days is long enough, Uh, so (laughs) you, you anticipate that ultimately you will be able to sell, and therefore you sign a bill. Format. you are trying to imitate the format of the real bill, in every way just to confuse <laughs> the issue. And then the market will not take it, even though there are two signatures. Why? Because the market knows that selling a house is not the same as selling bread, and therefore he would need the signature of the acceptance house. Once it's there, then the, the anticipation will, will concern. So, the Acceptance House will provide that signature. And I don't think this is a legitimate business. Worse than the Anticipation Bill is the so-called Accommodation Bill. When they just dream up that there is a boat, an imaginary boat, full of uh, grain going from country A to country B overseas, and And uh, this is only in your imagination, and you put this down on a bill. Uh, This is called accommodation bill. It's completely fictitious. And it only serves the purpose for raising money at the lower in this country when somebody has an entirely different project, something like uh, uh, digging for gold in the mountains. Uh, you know, which is completely uh, haphazard and risky. So, uh, then this guy will try to uh, circulate an accommodation bill and invents this ship on the boat and grain and so on and then the acceptance house provides signature and insists on a bond and on a higher Fee for doing this, and uh, this is again completely legitimate. It's even fraudulent because they pretend that a boat exists full of grain and then it doesn't, you see. But this happened, and it happened in many cases. And the portfolio of the acceptance house again was not opened to inspection it was not considered public document once the acceptance house put that uh, you know input and uh, and a lot of acceptance houses of course went bankrupt and uh, so you just have to uh, we are going to talk about that Uh, I hope we'll have time to to talk talk, uh, about that to the satisfaction of everybody
0: uh. Okay. Any, any more questions? I think we'll, we'll uh, break up the lunch. Then, yeah, Professor, yeah. come back at two thirty. Yeah. Thanks very much.